everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast, the official podcast for MetalNexus.net, where you can get all your show reviews, interviews, concert photos, and so much more. This episode's guest is RJ City. He is an independent professional wrestler, and a part of that sounds kind of contradictory. Eh, don't worry about it. It's wrestling. Uh, all that being said, uh, Dan is out sick. He has no voice. <laughs> um, we tried to hold off as much as we could, and so I figured I would just go ahead and pick an episode that maybe wasn't necessarily in Dan's wheelhouse, which uh, I don't know how into wrestling Dan is, but uh, wrestling is something that I've been very actively involved in, and I you know, have brought it up here and there in, in various interviews uh, with other people who are into wrestling, uh, most recently the Rob Rivera from Nonpoint, and... Uh, yeah, this episode uh, started because of my love of podcasts and wrestling and music. Uh, and a podcast that I have long championed is actually the Kickin' Ass podcast with uh, Andy Williams from Every Time I Die and Jesse from uh, Used to Be an Impact, TNA. And uh, they got a podcast that's really fucking great and really funny. Uh, they interview band people. They basically talk to each other do movie reviews, just anything and everything. As of lately, Andy farts into his microphone, and it's great. Um, <laughs> but with all of that being said, um, I first heard of RJ City because of that podcast and fell in love with him. He is a very interesting person, um, and I wasn't sure exactly who I was going to get because if you find him on various interviews, whether it be Ambi, uh, which is a music blog, yeah, um, which Alicia Atout, I believe is how you say her name, did a great interview with RJ City and continues to do great interviews with a lot of bands and wrestlers and the like. So uh, if you're also in that Venn diagram of people who likes that, go check out her blog. It's on YouTube. Find it. Um, but yeah, so back to the Kickin' Ass podcast. That's how I found RJ City. They did a show with him, and he was just very throwbacky to a lot of... Uh, not just like 80s references, but like way back before that, uh, kind of thinking more in like the 50s, 60s uh, kind of realm, loves Golden Girls, um, just things like that. Um, and just, uh, you know, really funny, very easy to talk to, for, so I gathered, and I started following him across various social media platforms and fell in love with him. He does a Sunday morning Facebook Live uh, video series, uh, drinking coffee in your underwear, or making coffee in your underwear, and he replies to people's comments and so forth, and it's an entertaining watch um, from an entertaining person. What more can I say? Um, so I reached out to him and, and wanted to have him on, and what can I say? The man couldn't have been more delightful to have on. Uh, we cover a wide range of topics, not just solely in the wrestling world, but also kind of talking about coffee, talking about underwear. Uh, we <laughs> even talk about uh, Jesse's uh, underwear being too penisy. If uh, you don't know what that is, you'll find out. Um, but that's what I that's what I love about listening to various podcasts is sometimes you get introduced to people that maybe you have no fucking clue who they are and you're not into the the world that they exist in which in this case is professional wrestling but you know what that doesn't mean that they're not cool and they don't have fun stories to tell and they're not just thoroughly entertaining and I know that's exactly what professional wrestling is, is you entertain people who have no clue who you are, and then you try to either win them over being a heel or a face or whatever. And just, the guy is great. Uh, yesterday, as of when I'm recording this, the I was supposed to go to go up to uh, the Detroit area to go actually see RJ wrestle, 
And unfortunately, I got double booked. Uh, that was my plan to go do that, but I ended up getting uh, tapped to do some interviews uh, here in town uh, at a local at a show. So um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to make that happen. But uh, follow RJ City. We'll get to all that in the outro. But follow him. Keep up with him. He does a lot of interesting wrestling shit. Uh, he travels all over. Uh, but like I said, he's just a very interesting guy, and I really, really enjoyed my conversation with him. Uh, so without further ado, uh, let's go ahead and get into my chat with RJ City, and I'll talk to you guys afterwards. Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me? I can hear you just fine. Perfect. Thanks for uh, taking the time out of your uh, busy day to do this. No problem. Have a nice sip. <laughs> Get yourself together. I, I just did. This is my second cup of coffee. I feel like I've had a uh, very Golden Girls morning of coffee and bananas. Ooh, very nice. I forgot my wife bought bananas and I saw them and I was like, I need to eat those soon. And there's a lot of them to eat now. You had you had more than one. Uh, I've had two. Wow, that's unusual. Is it? I well to have more than one banana in a sitting. Well, I mean, I don't know if a what what constitutes as a sitting when you're eating a banana, though. Well, what else have you had today? Nothing. Oh, then that was a sitting. Your breakfast was bananas. Well, I woke up and kind of got around and ate a banana, and then took a shower and did some other stuff, and oh, then had okay. another one. So that's why I'm saying I'm like sorry. it's not. No, I. <laughs> I thought you sat down and uh, in silence and had two bananas in a row. That's not a uh, Genesis song that I eat my bananas. Yeah, too. you know they're so great to take with you. Yeah, because of the durable peel, that so, it's almost a shame to have them at home. Here, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of funny. I don't know if there's shipped out in Canada, but I'm sure you've encountered shipped in general. Uh, do you know what yes. that? Okay, so that's I quit my job and do that because I can work very nominally and make as much as I was doing my full-time job. So take away from Fantastic. that what you will. Yes. But uh, it was amusing because, like, sometimes I get people who ask for the weirdest shit, and they'll be like, I want six bananas, three green, three yellow. Now, if you are a banana connoisseur, you'll understand that there are varying levels of green and yellow. So it's like, right. well, bitch, what do you want? Like, do you want super green? Do you want some green with a little bit of yellow peeking through? So I yeah. just send photos, and they're always like, yeah, those are fine. Grab those. And it's like... Dealing with the public. Amazing. Yeah, well, <laughs> of course. Anytime many people are involved in something, it's not very good. I will wholeheartedly agree with that. Yes. Um, I'm just going to kind of keep it really loose because I figure that's going to be the most fun since uh, that's yes. going to be what you like to do. Um, Why not? So I'll just kind of do a formal intro so people uh, can know who you are. So I have the pleasure this uh, early early afternoon of talking to RJ City, a provocateur, a connoisseur of coffees, and very fine, expensive underwear, and just an all-around uh, the most interesting man, I think, of the 21st century. Are we still in the 21st century? Yeah, I think so. I'm better than that shit interesting guy who does the commercials. Well, we know he's just a product whore who, who will do anything yeah. for money. I know. It must be very sad. It must be very sad that he goes home and, you know, I don't know, scrolls Facebook and goes, but I'm the interesting man. 
do you think he makes a lot of money from being memes? Uh, no, he makes no money from being memes. That bothers me a lot. I, I uh, do this thing. I don't know if you're familiar. It's a, called The Cynical Crafter. Yes. And it's on CBC, which is Canadian, but it's, you can watch it everywhere. And after every episode, they do a bunch of GIFs. And then it really bothers me that there's no <laughs> GIF residual system. I'm like, this. people are just keep using my... And they, uh, a lot of them, there's a winking one that is always on the top of the Facebook GIF search. Mm. And I'm like, this, people are using this a lot, apparently, and I'm getting nothing for it. You know, it's kind of interesting you say that because I, I, I don't know how to. I'm kind of technologically uh, not advanced, even though I do yes. this. And there's some equipment that people are like, wow, how do you use? And I go, I don't know. I just plug it in, and you go, and, and it's good. Um, all that being said, though, I don't know how people use these GIF stickers and all that kind of stuff. And I'm always, like, I saw in one of your stories you actually used one, and I was like, wow, you're a GIF. That's awesome. I don't even know how you do that or how one becomes a GIF sticker to be used. So, yes, yeah, so that was an Instagram gift sticker. That's a totally different system. Okay. Because they crop the person out of the GIF. <laughs> That's why it's a sticker. Like, it's right. not like a, a GIF, like a photo where it's just square and whatever. Yeah. And that, uh, my production guy from CBC, I asked him about it, and it took him a, probably too much work and time and effort to pull off. <laughs> So, but it's the hot new thing. I was gonna say it's got to be great for for what you do in branding yourself across a lot of different platforms to have such a uh, unique things that you can have and have people use that are fans of you. I'll tell you this: it seems great. I don't know if it is great, but it seems great, and that's the important thing. You know, the interesting thing to me about you know. You came onto my radar. I've, I've been a fan of wrestling for a, a long time, growing up in you know in the East Coast and so forth, and kind of lost touch with it for a while. And then because say, you grew up, uh, no, actually, it's no? Really, it's really weird. I, I've kind of thought about this as you know, I've done a lot of these podcasts and talked to a lot of people. I got back into wrestling when I started kind of booking more shows and having band, touring bands stay at my house. And, you know, a lot of them would be like, oh, like if they were here on a Sunday, it's like, oh, fuck, I got to hurry up and shut up. I got to watch, you know, the pay-per-view that happened tonight or I got to catch up with Raw or SmackDown and, and the pay-per-views like in a couple of days. And I realized that a lot of touring band people love wrestling. And it became one of those things that I realized growing up I had a lot of interests and was, I guess, sort of a, a – uh, I was kind of like the, the middle Venn diagram of a lot of things. I was into sports. I was into music. I was into a lot of different shit. But – Growing up in, in high school, most people weren't into, if you were into sports, weren't into music. So I had no one really to talk about music as much as I loved. When I graduated and got out of high school, I found a lot of people who were into music but hated sports. So I've never found a subset of people who like a lot of the same things I do. So it was always like a thing I enjoyed by myself. Right. And then it became this thing, I would say, for me, it seems like in the last, I'd say really a decade, but more so in the last five five to six years, it seems, that the independents have become a really big thing. And with the internet now being what it is with gifts and stuff like that, that you can find on Twitter, I think you're able to find a lot more stuff, even going over into like J Japanese wrestling with new Japan and so forth, that a lot of companies are now focusing on being online. So you can find people like yourself, find people, you know, like once Cody left the WWE, it's like, Oh, well he's gone and forgotten. That's how it used to be. But now it's like, I can see what he's still doing and find all these other great wrestlers. So I feel like, as a result, I've been able to keep up with my 
fascination and, and love of wrestling when something like WWE no longer interests me for its repetitive cycle. Right. It's kind of, And it's similar to the evolution of music in a sense. Yes. Uh, where before you had to be at someone's shitty show in a basement of a bar to get their album. Right. And you do, you do, certainly do not need to do that now. You don't even need to ever go to a live show. You can search and find other... There's more awareness. Like, yes. these systems always existed. Um, but there's more awareness, and and it's it's similar, like, independent wrestling, uh, I guess independent music, and stand-up comedy seem to be all very similar business structures. It is kind of weird. I, I've made a lot of correlations to the music industry to wrestling, because it, it's, you know, by the time you get to some people who get to, like, WWE, there are some people who have been following that person since they were a local independent like there's a, a gentleman by the name of Cody Vance who is from here in Michigan and recently made his like TNA debut um I'm sorry impact and has done some stuff uh since leaving here in Michigan and living in Atlanta now but it's one of those things like you know I've kind of been following him for a little bit so by the time more people get to know him it's like well yeah this dude's always been kind of good you should have followed him like five years ago when he was doing this like incredible shit sort of like you know Finn Balor was doing in the you know, in the indies and so forth, and then now it's like you're getting a watered-down version of what he was. Right. Which makes you just sound like an elitist asshole in the music industry, where you're like, well, the, the demos were way better than when they got signed. Yeah, it's like that wonderful, like, uh, underground punk scene originally, where it's like, once you become famous, you kind <laughs> of lose part of your charm. Is that something that you, know? you I know listening to you on the uh Kick and Ass podcast you you know Andy brought up the fact that you were pretty big into uh, you know in, admittedly you said a very niche part of the like punk scene and so forth but is that something that you've kind of become very aware of uh going traversing through you know your career in the wrestling world Yes I I see it probably um not to the the same intensity and I think about I don't know how niche I guess we can get niche uh, uh, the, how the New York Dolls, mm -hmm. uh, David Johansson transitioned into like Buster Poindexter, what and then a like weird transition. <laughs> so so weird, where you're like, this is the same guy, and then even more than that, he did those movies. Like, well, mm -hmm. so here, let me connect all the degrees. He was in Mr. Nanny, yep, the Hulk Hogan uh, movie with uh, Sherman Hemsley. Yes, so it doesn't get more mainstream <laughs> than Sherman Hemsley. So, um, yet, you know, he still returns to, he does New York Doll shows and then does Buster Poindexter shows and then does David Johansson shows, like concerts and stuff. And it's just so weird and fascinating. And you wonder what, what is Edge? Where does Edge go? What, what is selling out? How far can you go without compromising? Yeah. Um, it's interesting. And then some people, compromising is not an issue because some people are just kind of willing to do, they like the mainstream stuff. They want the mainstream stuff. And like that's, some people come out of the womb already molded. As someone yourself who kind of floats around a lot of various mediums in the entertainment industry, do you feel that any one thing is sort of, maybe scratching the itch at the, the mainstream or do you feel like it's all kind of fringe things that make you kind of paint a whole or picture of who you are yeah i do think it's made up of it's i am a simply a tapestry <laughs> um, back to the crafts because 
the, yeah, there's some things where I was like, oh my God, if I went, you know, if I had a very one track mind all the time, there was, there's a lot of stuff that I wouldn't have been able to do. Right. Um, so I try to stay open to a lot of stuff and be like, yes, I can do this. I can do that. And I go, why, like, why can't I do all these things and why can't I do them, um, at the same time, <laughs> you know? <laughs> A lot of people will be a wrestler and then be like, oh, well, you know, try to get over in wrestling. And then they'll be like, well, I can be an actor now. And it's like, well, why can't I just do both at the beginning? Um, it's not a big deal. They're both equally idiotic. So, like, let's let's just go there and see what happens. I'm very, uh, I hate hearing, like, wrestlers who just, like, all I care about is wrestling. And I was like, well, you're kind of fucking boring. <laughs> you know? No, I mean, that, look, if that's your deal, that's your deal. Very good. But there are a lot of things out there. Expand your palate a little. Right. Um, so that stuff is interesting to me. I mean, again, I do a craft show on CBC. I just hosted another web series about uh, the destruction of the set of a show that I filmed 10 years ago. And then, uh, so yeah, there's stuff like that where I'm like, oh my God, if I was just totally focused on wrestling, I would have missed all this other idiocy. You know, speaking to the, uh, I don't know if you want to call it a cameo that you just did. That's, I think that show you said was airing on Thursday on the 28th. Uh, yes. How weird was it to re go back to something that you did 10 years ago? And and did you kind of have a little bit of nostalgia and looking back at where you were then to where you've come now? I, uh, it was, it was like offensively nostalgic. I wore the <laughs> same outfit that has been in the box from where I last put it like 10 years ago. And it's just like, oh, and it still How smelled the still same. Fit it. Fit it. <laughs> yes. I was trying to think what, what size I was then, like what changed. And then it was the same makeup lady. And she told me I look exactly the same. And that's all I needed to hear to feel like I can cheat death <laughs> and go on with the show. That was important. I was like, can you just make me feel immortal for like these 30 seconds so I can get on with my fucking day, please? <laughs> I don't need death looming over me while I'm trying to read the teleprompter. Um, that was really uh, cool. And it was just weird. Everything was weird. And then I start questioning, you know, the concept of time and all this shit. Uh, so, yeah, it was a mess. It was a disaster. Never do it. <laughs> don't go through your box of old things. I don't think I have anything other than like my high school football jersey, my Letterman jacket, and that's maybe some baseball cards. And that's about it. Oh uh, yeah, I get lost in that stuff. I mean, uh, obviously, the joke is that I'm like 62 years old because my references right. are very obscure. So I even partake in nostalgia of a time when I didn't exist. Well, you know, it's kind of funny you bring that up, and something that I think is really interesting about that—I um, don't want to call it a fascination maybe an inspiration um, taking from stuff from the sixties and so forth. You know, I feel like that's an era of wrestling, you know, that a lot of people don't go back and watch, but when you have, and I, I might be wrong a couple of years in either direction, but it's like, you know, you have such classics as like Freddie Blassie and people like that, where you have larger than life characters who were in the wrestling world that, you know, some of the greatest heel work, some of the best, you know, faces and so forth. And it just makes me wonder if like, you're able to tap into a very, um, un untapped market 
as far as inspiration and being able to pull things that seems fresh to a lot of people because they don't know they don't go back far enough to find these these things and, and know where they come from. Uh, yes, and I, I even it's also a goal of mine to ex, to find culture beyond wrestling and bring it into wrestling um, from that era. Like it was a different era of entertainment too. Like the, those worlds don't exist anymore. Um, but yeah, the stuff in the sixties. Like I just saw a clip of Freddie Blassie on the Dick Van Dyke Show, and oh. I was like, <laughs> "Holy shit!" Like this is like everything coming together. Um, Stuff like that. Wrestling was, you know, big business. And then you look in the audience and you see, you know, men in suits and women in dresses. And it was a little more, um, you know, kind of like a night on the town thing in some circles. And that's that's weird. I'm just like, how did we get to here? But then you watch footage from there and you're like, oh, it's all the same shit. <laughs> yeah, it it's so weird. I mean... Like I said, wrestling has been and really permeated a lot of pop culture, and I don't think a lot of people realize. I mean, like when the Daniel Bryan Yes chant took off, and you're seeing it like at you know sporting events and so forth. It's like it obviously has transcended beyond its little niche thing, and it's always interesting to see when things like that happen because a lot of people, admittedly, have no idea where it comes from, but it obviously is such a huge cultural has such cultural impact that it's really hard to understand why people think wrestling is this thing that is not viable as a, as a product or an entity or whatever, when there are so many examples of it, it crossing over and just, you know, popping huge. Right. I mean, I, to me, wrestling like is pop culture. Like it's the definition of pop culture. It's in many ways, you know, and obviously there's always exceptions, but it is like the definition of mindless, meaningless entertainment. <laughs> Right. In but like in the best way. I don't mean that in a disparaging way. Um show because a bunch of people want to put on a show. Um <laughs> seriously, I'm like, why else would you really want to do this? So that stuff is is always interesting and sometimes it's ahead of the curve culture wise. Often it's very behind and they'll still be making references to things that are kind of dated, which is whatever. But um yeah, it's fascinating, and it always changes. It's one of this, those things like music where it's almost unfair to say, to ask someone if they just like wrestling. Because there's so many kinds and there's so many different encompassing factors that it's more than just, you know, a solitary form of entertainment. Right. <coughs> Excuse me. It's okay. Um, you know, something else I kind of wanted to talk about is your your – you know, making coffee in your underwear show that you have. Well, every... yes. I mean, that's the reason we should be talking, really. <laughs> I Yeah, I have a couple of bags of my coffee that uh, our show sponsor gives me. Um, but all that aside, what made you, you know, what made you want to do that? Because, I mean, I think the world of coffee is, I mean, you want to talk about another subset of, of culture that's very, you know, can be very elitist. I would say the coffee world is also that. Well, yeah, I mean, originally I I just enjoy like doing nothing all Sunday. Like I <laughs> having like this cup of coffee or like making a huge pot and like doing pretty much nothing and then just like, well, I guess we should make more coffee. Like I love that. That's my dream. Like going antiquing while sipping on a coffee mm. is like would be like heaven to me. 
if I got to the pearly gates and they're like, here's a bunch of old shit uh, that people want to sell. Uh, do you want to, you know, do you want an Americano and walk around? I'm like, sure. Um, my family is very snobbish about food and coffee. Um, so I would like to blame uh, my mother originally for saying, you know, no, anything out of like a percolator or whatever is shit. Like this French press, there's this pour over, there's all this whatever. She insists on grinding her beans immediately before making the coffee. It's very, it's very serious, and she criticizes a lot of other coffee and judges people on the coffee they have. So that was in me genetically, I guess. And then I tweeted it out as a joke because everyone was doing like live stream bullshit, and I said, "Oh, I'm going to do a thing of me making coffee in my underwear." Because I took a picture of me making coffee in my underwear and then i don't I'm, are you familiar with tommy dreamer oh, the wrestler yeah. oh yeah he said you might as well like everyone else is doing it and i was like oh yeah I'm, i might as well why not and now i've been doing it uh every week for more than a year uh which is very which is another thing i didn't think i would be saying <laughs> and certainly in that time i've been compelled to uh learn and do more with coffee. So I think I've, uh, yeah, certainly expanded my, my palate and my coffee making skills. A weird thing for me, like I, and something like that, like, you know, making food or drinking or whatever is, you know, typically in your house, you're the most comfortable and obviously, you know, hence the, in your underwear part. But were you ever worried potentially about, uh, people being shitty, you know, cause it's on the internet and people being shitty about how you look or what you're wearing or whatever. Because that, to me, I mean, I know how I look, and obviously with you being wrestling and that kind of being your attire that you wear, you're probably not as self-conscious about it. But I would just be kind of like people being like, oh, you have a tiny dick, or you look fat, or whatever, and I'd be like, okay, this is done. <laughs> um, I, I was not worried about people being shitty because I already know people are shitty. So, like, that's Fair never enough. a surprise to me. Like, people are idiots. But I would say generally speaking like the show is what it is i'm certainly not like uh hiding anything or trying to prove anything to anyone <laughs> so if you like it like you watch it people have been generally very supportive and enjoying it and the weirdest people my old university professor watches like every episode <laughs> you know i can see who watches it uh rhino from wwe uh the genius who used to be a, uh, was Randy Savage's brother. It's the, and you see, cause it's live on Facebook. So right. I can see when people start watching. Yeah. It's the craziest thing. Ex-girlfriends. And I'm like, Oh, like they <laughs> watch it. And I know they're going, Oh, I see why I broke up with him. Like <laughs> this makes, this makes sense. This is just reinforcing my opinion. Um, just the craziest people like that. And then like, you know, the weirdest guests. Obviously, having David Arquette on led to a whole debacle, which is now my life. <laughs> um, but, you know, again, people like Tommy Dreamer and just the weirdest. It's just weird. And then I have a couple I won't divulge, but there may be more singing opportunities coming up in future episodes. Um, but, yeah, the, the only thing I would get is maybe my mother messaging me after the show goes off saying that underwear was a little too much. Uh, could you please wear maybe a nice boxer short? 
I thought it was but, great when uh, you were on the Kicking Ass podcast and you and Andy were ripping on uh, Jesse for wearing, having two penisy of underwear. <laughs> yeah, like, but all the time though. He has that. I was just talking about it last week. You know, there's like underwear that is so soft that yeah. it just feels sexual putting yeah. it on. Yeah. There's like a good cotton that's comfortable. And then when you start like fucking around with like silkish yeah. stuff. You're like, oh, I couldn't walk up the stairs without getting a boner. Like, this is how <laughs> soft this underwear is. But he's like that all the time. He is, if he was delivering pizzas, he could just be, like, he could stumble onto a porn set. <laughs> and just, he has the right, he has the right underwear where he takes his pants off. And you're like, Are you were you planning this? Are you sick? <laughs> what is wrong with you? But he has it all the time. Yeah. Um, and God bless him. He's into underwear, I think. I, no, he's not even into it. He just ha- He's like, yeah, just, you know, these are my underwear. I was like, good for you. Congratulations. It's very funny. I, I've become very brain loyal with things. Like when I find something that works, I don't deviate from it. Yeah. And uh, very recently, and I know this, I don't think this is necessarily like a, a, a super nice brand. You're probably going to shit all over it and be like, oh, well, you need to get this. But I've very recently gotten into Banana Republic underwear. And it's not even, it's not even necessarily the, here's the fucked up thing at the actual store. They just have white, black, and I think gray, like boxer briefs. Right. If you go to the outlets, they have all kinds of different designs and colors and everything. Like that's the trick. And the obvious thing is, is it's exponentially cheaper uh, instead of spending like $30 for a pair of underwear. And I swear by them. I think they're great. Uh, But very recently I've been intrigued because uh, I found out how nice Calvin Klein stuff is. I haven't bought the underwear. But they have, uh, you know, if you listen to various podcasts, you hear of, I think it was me undies or someone that has modal or modal or however you pronounce it, fabric. Okay. And yes. so you, and I, when I found a pair of those Calvin Kleins, I kind of did the, the between my fingers thing to be like, how soft is this? And right. I felt it. And I felt very much exactly how you just described Jesse's underwear, where I was like, I think if I wear these, I'm just going to have a fear of constantly getting an erection because of how soft these are, where there's like nothing between me and anybody else. Right. Yeah. yeah, no, no, it's 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 too much, and obviously you can wear it on special occasions. Um, but the Calvin Klein, uh, they have a similar outlet system. Yeah, where you, there's this rack, and it's in total disarray. Oh my and god! Like Look, everywhere, <laughs> these are the colors that people like went through this entire rack, and this what's left is what no one else wanted. Are you a big enough person to pay five dollars? <laughs> And the answer is yes, I will only pay, you know, I really would like to pay less than $20 for one pair of underwear. I think that's more than fair, and I'm happy to keep looking until I find it. What is, what have you found is the best brand of underwear? What is the best? It's all about um, cuts to me. I don't like, uh, I like the, anything longer than a boxer brief. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, it really kind of bothers me. Um, I do like Calvin, but in their cotton section, when we get the polyester and the satin, there's ones that like, sorry, if we put this on, I have to have sex. There's no <laughs> way. I can't put these on and go wait for a bus. It's going to get very weird. So there are are ones like that I have. But people are sending me underwear. <laughs> people are sending me coffee. That's great. You don't have to pay. That's isn't that the dream where you don't have to pay for any of the things that you love. I know that was it. Just I should have picked something a little better. I could have done a car <laughs> show or an indoor pool show. Would have been nice. 
How do you, um, how do you send but, someone an indoor pool? <laughs> there's ways. There's ways. You can send them an above ground. There's this above ground pool. I think it's called the Endless Pool. This is not a plug. And it's like it has a current and it's essentially like a treadmill for like lap swimmers. And I barely swim, but I'm so interested in it. I've seen that. It looks interesting. Um, and now you're a Michigan man. I am. Can I tell you my favorite uh, coffee in your state? Sure. Okay. Are you familiar with a town called Ferndale? Yes, over by Detroit. Yes, Ferndale is kind of like the Portland of Detroit. Yes. <laughs> uh, which is hilarious. So there's a place there called the Rust Belt Market, mm -hmm. which is where, you know, people peddle their handmade wares and shit. And in the back, there is a bar, like a full bar that serves alcohol. And then they have uh, nitro on top of it in the bar okay. of real, you know, of real beer. Mm -hmm. And it is the best nitro I have had. And also it's very good because I get to sip it while like looking at, um, you know, engraved pillows and shit like that. <laughs> So that's like a one-two punch for me that makes it amazing. I think if you ever – I just saw – actually, I got really excited. I saw Ring of Honors coming here to Grand Rapids um, and soon. Um, but it's funny because I was like, oh, it would be really – we – my wife's not big into to going to look at antiques and stuff like that. And so we actually go, and then she just gets enamored with random shit. Um and then the, the fun thing of, like, why is someone char or wanting $120 for this, like, 40-year-old, like, starter jacket? Right. Um, all that aside, though, I was just thinking to myself, I was like, you know, we have so many coffee shops here in, in Grand Rapids, and we have this – it's called an antique mall, but it's, like, an old uh, – I think it was a furniture store initially or a furniture uh, warehouse. And then, basically, it's, like, almost a full city block of, like, five or six different antique stores, quote-unquote. Like, all – I think almost all of them are – at least two stories just full oh. of the most random shit. Like there's a guy who has an ET soundtrack in a nice framed plaque. Aww. Um, I have no interest in the, the ET soundtrack, but I have a uh, test press of a record that the color scheme of the, the inside of it and all that would be perfect for a record that I do have. And I want to have framed. And the dude wants like a hundred and 120 bucks for it. And I offered him like 60 and he's like, no. And then I, told a, a friend of mine's like yeah that thing's been here for like almost eight years and i was like why the fuck wouldn't you take my offer then if it's just been sitting here he believes in it the man believes in that the right person will one day come well i'll tell you why because he spent too much fucking money on getting it together <laughs> he spent 400 getting it together yeah probably and will not accept that big of a loss it's it's really funny though when you see that like you see something you're like that's probably worth like ten dollars and then you offer someone that they're like nope I'll go down $2.80, and you're like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's the most arbitrary they, number ever. <laughs> I love when they're, they're like they in the antique stores, but they're like people have different rooms to themselves of their mm -hmm. own shit. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I want this thimble. And they're like, oh, this thimble belongs to Dave. And they have to pull out like <laughs> Dave's binder, and it says like thimble, $8. Yeah. I just think it's adorable. I also love like, antiques are great and nice like things that are worth a lot are great things that are worth nothing are amazing yeah like you see those old mcdonald's cups like from the batman returns movie and you're like oh. i have these sitting in my my cupboard that i never use that my parents were like we don't want this anymore either those and the 
Hercules, Disney's Hercules oh, plates yeah. from McDonald's. <laughs> and I was like, what is what marketing meeting was like, let's give away like full plates. I don't know. Uh, that was very, very unusual. And I also have the Muppets. Talk about like what an orgy of brands. The Muppets uh, all-star game, like NHL all-star game plush toys that were given as part of Happy Meals. I don't remember that. Yeah, so it's like Animal okay. in a hockey jersey. So basically the Philadelphia Flyers new thing. Yes, exactly. It was really a precursor uh, to Gritty. <laughs> gritty, that's um, it. That's it. But yeah, maybe it was only a Canadian thing. They were very, very uh, aggressive in, with Happy Meals about like uh, hockey cards. Right. They would give those away. Um, and then there was like special things where it was like you can either get the Happy Meal or just like they had collector's <laughs> items. And it's like you can just buy the toy. And I was like, well, this is just you've become a toy store now. This is <laughs> very, very weird. You know, something else um, I kind of yes. wanted to bring up too, though, is like, you know, obviously you are a Canadian. But yes. I feel like with your wrestling travel that you get to experience a lot of different diversity within the cultures that the U.S. and, and where you live has to offer. What is something, you know, that you have found interesting from, you know, being a Canadian, watching the Canadian television and so forth and having the things that you have up there to, you know, some of the experiences when you're talking to other people and like mentioning, you know, maybe something like that, like where – Oh, we had these toys, and it's like, well, I don't remember those at all. And you have, like, almost a completely different set of experiences that, you know, others may not have. There's a lot of uh, kids' shows that didn't make it. But it's really weird because, like, Detroit and Buffalo are close enough to Canada that they would get the Canadian kids' shows. Right. But if you talk to somebody in, like, Philadelphia, they have no idea what you're talking about. Right. Like, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Mr. Dress-Up. But he no. was like the Canadian Mr. Rogers. But okay. Canada also got Mr. Rogers. So we had <laughs> both of them. And then we're like, yeah, and do you guys not like Mr. Dress Up? And they're like, no. And if you feel like you're in a Twilight Zone. <laughs> like, how can I communicate with this person without them knowing who Mr. Dress Up is? It just makes it really, really weird. There's also, and it's terrible, a Canadian Sesame Street what? called Sesame Place. And there's an old lady who I think is a pilot, and there's a polar bear, and they do a lot in French, and it's just it doesn't have the set to me. Sesame Street is like very New York. It's like in the neighborhood of New York, like that's where Sesame Street is to me. Um, and to lose that part of it is just very, very strange. What? Um, so I deal with that on a daily basis. What is? Are there any other examples of something like that? That like where there was a, an American version to a Canadian version. That like when you finally saw like the I guess the American version, you're like, what the fuck? Oh well, there there would just be like really really weird. So I was I would my grandmother is in the states, and I would spend the summers with her when I was a kid, and I would watch all the Nickelodeon shows. Mm -hmm. And then I would come back to Canada and be like, oh, guys, did you guys see Legends of the Hidden Temple? And they're like, what are you talking about? And then, you know, to explain Legends of the Hidden Temple to someone who's never seen it before is like, yes, it's just, you know, you just sound like you're full of shit. You're like, kids would lie all the time. So right. it's like, yeah, it's like a show. It's like Indiana Jones and you run through a temple. There's no way anyone is going to believe you. 
It's a fever um, dream. Yes, certain certain shows made it through. Like obviously SpongeBob and Rocco and Rugrats. Those uh, shows are Rick, so fucked up when you look back on them. <laughs> uh, you know, Rocco gets so much more relatable once you hit like because your thirties and you get <laughs> yes, once you get like anxiety as an adult, Rocco becomes like a biography. <laughs> You're like. Oh, like I see, I get it now. Like before, it was fun and cool and whatever, but now I'm like, oh yes, that's a great point you're making. Um, but for some reason, we didn't get Ren and Stimpy. Like that didn't break through, which is kind of weird to me. And they did um, the Royal Kilted Yaxman, which is a direct parody of the Canadian Mounties. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my cousin would often make fun of me. <laughs> uh, very derogatorily and that's something i had to live with and then it just it's so funny like that ren and stimpy never made it like those fart jokes only went so far <laughs> um it's very bizarre it's something i i think about every day you know i kind of wanted to touch a little bit on your your recent partnership with uh david arquette yes in you know it's been interesting to see him kind of come back into the the realm of wrestling in you know, obviously with him being in, oh my God, I can't even remember what that movie was called. It's been so long. Um, ready, ready to rumble. Ready to rumble. I was like, it's a Michael yes. Buffer quote. I know that much. Um, yes. But with him being in that, you know, and then even his stint uh, in WCW at the time, which is weird because looking back, it felt like everybody remotely interested in wrestling that was not a wrestler. WCW was just like, hey, why don't you come on in and we'll give you a belt eventually. Yeah. And why, why not? Ah, you know, I don't know. I mean, I guess in the day and age of the the Monday Night Wars and and all that stuff for ratings, I guess it makes sense. I mean, it got me into WCW because of one of my favorite basketball players, Dennis Rodman, being in the NWO for a little bit. Right. That was fun. But beyond that, you know, it's been interesting to see him come back. And I think the – I believe the good term is uh, frenemies at this point. Yeah. Um, Well, it's weird because we don't hate each other. I just don't like him. (laughs) It's but, a very one-way relationship. Yeah. it's uh, It's been interesting, though, you know, reading some of the interviews and watching some of the interviews he's done recently where, you know, he's – a lot of people, I think, in his situation might try to take the easy way to achieve some success in the, in the indie realm, whereas it seems like he is very much fully committed to learning the industry, learning the craft of everything – and it's been really commendable to kind of see him do some of the stuff and some of the bumps he takes in matches and so forth and learning how to become a, a wrestler in every sense of the word. You know, you kind of getting a firsthand experience of maybe helping him with some of this and so forth. How has that journey been for you in a partner sense? Uh, in a part, Well, I, I wrestled him in his first match back and he had uh, he had three broken ribs before he got into the ring to have the match. So I certainly commend him on his toughness, perhaps not his savvy. <laughs> um, yeah, he does a lot of things that he certainly uh, does not need to do. Um, but I think he's a commit. I think he it resonates to him the level of commitment required to pull off the performance, and I think he can, uh, because of that, he can take it maybe farther than he can take some some acting, you know. Um, and I know that doing acting, you're like, oh, like we have a stunt guy and we're cutting and we have three cameras. Why don't we just do this for real and get it done in one? Um, 
So I think he's enjoying that experience. Certainly it's both good and bad, as like when he got his head cut off. That was probably a, not the best idea and not necessarily the best way to learn about wrestling. But, of course, you make mistakes and you learn. Right. Uh, and, yeah, it takes, it takes a while to learn. And his progression has been very uh, admirable. But in many ways, he is uh, kind of like a 12-year-old boy. And then I say that in the, both the best and uh, worst way. He's very exuberant to get in there and try. Uh, <laughs> and yes, as a partner, he's a, he's a bundle full of joy uh, to my great annoyance. <laughs> Where, uh, you know, we'll kind of get this wrapped up because I think I've already had you a little bit longer than we initially agreed upon. It's okay. It's fine. Um where you know with with wrestling now kind of and i would say just entertainment as a whole being a very wide open wild west kind of a platform between you know facebook live youtube live all these various platforms where do you where would you like to see yourself in the next year or two with the various endeavors that you are in um i i have difficulty answering a question like that because i a year ago or Two years ago, I could not have predicted the stuff I would be doing now. So sometimes I think it's very stupid to like say, oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to set my sights. I'm like, I, there's a bunch of shit I want to do. I do not know what is possible. <laughs> so I'm kind of just trying to figure that all out. I will continue to do things. I can certainly tell you that. Um, but what they are, I have absolutely no idea. And I look forward to answering that question by doing the things. What are you most what are you most surprised that you are known for at this point? What am I most surprised that I am known for at this point? Um, some weird. There's like a, a movie I did. I, there's a couple movies I did. I think they're on Netflix. One's called Monster Brawl, which is like monsters wrestling. Okay. Um, another one is called The Masked Saint, and I was in it with Roddy Piper. And we did some wrestling. And it's weird to have people bring that up and you forget that it's still viewable. Right. <laughs> like, oh, because you feel like you film a, a thing and then when you don't see it again, you feel like, oh, okay, I guess somebody just threw it out. But you forget like, oh, people are watching and paying attention to it, mm -hmm. um, which is really, really weird. I It's weird going into um, uh, like a... Do you are you familiar with Lush? Uh, it's like a bath bomb store. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it was weird, like walking in there and somebody going, "Hey, are you the cynical crafter? We loved your bath bomb episode." I'm like, "Oh my <laughs> god, there's like some weird bath bomb aficionado subculture." Like, oh, that's very weird. Um, I I am most impressed by like cause I like throwing out obscure dated references. I love when it like resonates with people and I'll say something about Milton Berle and then like someone younger than me will like send me all these Milton Berle videos and I'm like, you know, it's weird enough to do the stuff I do. It's much weirder to be like, who, who are the people watching this? <laughs> I liked how you mentioned him as uh, being a alternative curse word. Um, uh, no, Burgess Meredith. Is oh, Burgess Meredith. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it's fantastic, and I suggest you, you know, work it into your daily conversation and see where it takes you. I still think the uh, Lipton Brisk Ice Tea is uh, my favorite random obscure uh, 
uh, Burgess Meredith. Oh God, those were. Remember, they would pump those out. They were like claymation kind yeah. of things. Celebrity death match was huge. Yes, it was that whole craze of yes. celebrities made out of clay. Oh, God. <laughs> They're actually wow. bringing that back. I just saw again. Good. I would like to write those. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. You're saying where are my sites? I want. I want to write the new Lift and Brisk Icy commercials. There you go. I think uh, my last question I have for you, if you were to be an action figure, what accessory do you want to have accompany you as the action figure? Oh, my. Somebody made me an action figure, and I had very um, articulate wrists, so I I was (laughs) able to do, like, a limp wrist. Okay. (laughs) Kind of like it. And I kind of wish I had, and it's not a thing i have now but with the limp wrist it would be nice if i had just a little handbag uh to hang (laughs) from it i think that would be a great accessory no explanation no nothing i would say a handbag okay i almost figured it'd be like a cup of coffee or yes i know but i was just with the limp wrist yeah i guess the articulation. you know i was like that would look nice um but yeah you know coffee would be would be nice maybe like a french press and then the last uh, question I have for you. Who would you love to have on your show to have coffee with in their underwear? Who's your dream guest? Oh, um, one that I'm trying to make a possibility. Uh, Mario Cantone. I don't know if you're familiar oh, yeah, with Sex him. Oh, City. Love it. Yes, yes. Okay. So he's a, a comedian and he's a good uh, Twitter friend of mine. And uh, I would love to have him on. We have uh, a longstanding pack to have him on the show when it's possible. And we can sing Bosom Buddies. So I'm making my dreams a reality one day. I. It's so funny. When uh, my wife and I first started dating and we moved in together, we both realized that we had to merge our Sex in the City full series DVDs together. Right. And she was like, I can't believe you have all these. And I was like, I have the movies. You don't. So I'm a bigger fan. Oh, delightful. Oh, delightful. And and that's why their relationship has sustained. It has. We haven't watched it in a long time. We've been on a huge, well, at this point I went from never seeing Gilmore Girls to now having seen the whole thing probably about five times through. Which I got to say, wow. you uh, have the up, it used to, I don't remember what the fuck it used to be, but it's now called the Uplift Network or whatever. It's basically sort of like a Christian TV network. Okay, yes. So they cut out, quote unquote, swear words in Gilmore Girls. So like if they say hell, they can't say it or damn. And it makes it sound so much worse. Like Luke Luke will be like, get the hell out of here or shut the hell up. But because they bleep out the hell, it sounds like he's like, get the fuck out of (laughs) here. Wow. It's almost like unnecessary censoring makes it sound way worse. Oh yes, that's certainly. I will be interested in viewing that now. It's uh, it's very good. So if you are, yeah. all caught up on Gilmore Girls. Yes, good. and I will tell you, I'm gonna plug a thing that's important. Okay. Um, Saturday, March 30th, there's a thing called Old Wrestling. Okay. And it's at the Eastern Market in Detroit. Okay. And the the premise is that it's a wrestling show from the early 1900s. Oh wow. Um, it may be up your alley. Um, I play a silent film star known as RJ Metropolis. <laughs> so it's a very big stretch for me, as you can see. You said March 30th? March 30th. It's the Saturday, the last Saturday. I'll have to put it in my calendar and, and maybe do another one of these uh, as your old-timey character. Oh, yes. Yeah, I'll be very frightened by the technology. <laughs> well, I can bring a uh, big phonograph. 
Yes, certainly. They're uh, they're very, very uh, well versed in old things. Fair enough. There's going to be a ragtime band. Ooh. It's my kind of place. Is all I can say. And uh, speaking of where people can follow you, where can people follow you online? I would suggest they just Google uh, RJ City and find what they like, and they can follow it. And if they don't like it, they can just keep scrolling. <laughs> I think people are savvy enough now that they can figure it out. Well, thank you for taking the time to talk to us today, and uh, hopefully we'll see you uh, next month. Yes, Godspeed. So that was my conversation with RJ City. What can I say? Um, I said it in the intro. It was a lot of fun talking to him. I really had a good time, and you know, the smile and the laughs never stopped. But, you know, it was a lot of fun. Something I've wanted to do with this podcast and something I wanted to do, especially with the rebrand, kind of, is to incorporate a lot of other things that I think are related kind of to music. You just maybe don't see the through line as to how it necessarily relates. Um, We are currently working on getting some comedians on, working on also getting, you know, not necessarily rock people kind of branching out into other realms of the music industry and so forth, but also trying to get into professional wrestling as well. Because here's the thing. Something I don't think people maybe realize, you know, oh, I love bands and, you know, touring bands and so forth. Well, that's pretty much what professional wrestling is and and, and being a comedian. You go and tour somewhere, perform for a crowd, and then go to the next city and do it all over again until you build your name or your brand, or both, I guess, and become, you know, ascend from the levels of being a local band to a regional band to a national band to an international band. All of it still applies to the wrestling scene and to the comedy landscape as well. And they are things that I think reach a wide demographic, and and those people know how to entertain and know how to talk. So those are things that I really am trying to branch out into, as well as getting other people that I think have interesting stories. I think that's the thing as a whole with the podcast, and something I love about having, you know, if you listen to, you know, Mark Maron or... You know Chris Hardwick's podcast, or you know Joe Rogan, if you can endure the the marathon <laughs> sessions, is basically you know they they branch out to different people that they just find interesting, and whether you know those people or not, their stories typically are so good and they're good at talking and and you know conversing with people that basically they draw you in and win you over as a fan, and and then you start following them and finding out more about these people or this different realm of things that you had no clue of, and to me. That's what I fucking love about podcasts. I would say Dan would say the exact same thing because I know we constantly talk about the various podcasts that we listen to and how those are the things that kind of like, oh, I didn't know I would like this person or this band or this thing, but then I heard them on this podcast and then I was like, wow, I like that person. I'm going to check out their shit. Now I'm a fan. So you may not be a wrestling fan or if you are, maybe you're not super well-versed in the indie scene and I'm not saying I am by any stretch of the imagination. It's actually podcasts... You know, and this podcast hasn't been on for a little bit. Uh, I think they're on a bit of a hiatus. But, you know, there's a local podcast here called the Spike Piledriver uh, Podcast uh, where they cover Ring of Honor, New Japan, WWE, Impact. You know, they, they cover a, almost everything for us uh, as the listeners. And then also kind of tell you about, like, oh, I went to this local show in Indiana and saw this guy or things like that. And it it's an Simply put, we're in a day and age where there's no fucking reason you can't keep up with something if you are interested in it, even on a fringe level. So if you're into WWE, that's great. There's a reason that they are one of the bigger companies in in wrestling and have been for a very long time. However, 
there's something, you know, that is not an unknown secret at this point. They basically have been buying all the talent from all these other promotions. So it's like, it's really much exactly like going to see, you know, seeing a band the first of four on a package and you, you get wild by this band. Like, holy shit, I, I, I bought their record. I bought a t-shirt. I then became aware of who they were. I started following them. And then that band happens to become the next, I don't know, Nickelback, we'll say. But they all started somewhere. Like, I have stories of when I saw Five Finger Death Punch way back in the day in front of nobody. And now I've seen them play a lot and play. I've since seen them play in front of thousands upon thousands of people. The thing is, is we all have to start somewhere. And, you know, with the internet, with Twitter, with all these things, you can find very easy ways to keep track of all of these things if you really care about it. So maybe you're not into wrestling on an independent level, but maybe it just takes following RJ and seeing what he does or finding a couple of podcasts that will allow you to get as much information as you can without having to watch everything so you can kind of handpick the things you do want to see. Like, oh, maybe this Ricochet match is really good and I need to go back and see it. Or, you know, RJ City talks about this match he might have had with David Arquette tagging in whatever or doing the Greek Town <laughs> winning a, a Greek town, uh, sash, uh, <laughs> recently, um, you know, there's just, it, there's just no excuse anymore. If you, if you want to learn about something, we have so many resources available to us. Um, so this is basically my way of maybe bringing somebody that I think is entertaining to you to introduce into the world of independent wrestling. So huge thanks to RJ thoroughly enjoyed the conversation and I hope you guys did as well. Um, Slowly in wrapping up, uh, I actually wasn't drinking anything liquor-wise or anything, and I'm not currently because <laughs> uh, it's still early in the morning on a Sunday. Um, I actually was drinking, and I think I said something about it in the interview. I was actually drinking some Bean Bastard coffee. I was drinking the Shitter's Full Blend. Uh, I had already had a cup or two at that point and uh, a couple bananas, as you <laughs> heard me bring up. Um, but thoroughly enjoyed that. So uh, if you would like to keep up with our show sponsor... Uh, the Bean Bastard. Unfortunately, you can't get any more of the shitters full. I think I have the last like little bit, uh, and some other people probably around the Buffalo, New York area or online. Uh, but however, the beans that were used for that blend are now available in the Mom blend. Uh, and unless my information is incorrect, I believe looking at the bags and from what Maruso told me, that is what basically happened. The, the shitters full blend did so well. Uh, the bean was really good. Uh, so he basically repurposed it for another blend that's more of a mainstay. Um, so head on over to thebeanbastard.com. Look at all the various coffees they have. Uh, they are just big things are happening for them, I feel like. And uh, they are turning a corner with the business, the Beanmobile, the Bastardmobile, whatever the fuck he's calling it. Uh, they are working on it. So soon, if you are in the Buffalo, New York area, you will probably see that thing going all over the place. Uh, so get some. But if you aren't, just go to thebeanbastard.com, buy some coffee, buy a coffee scrub, buy some candles, buy cold brew if there's still some available. There are plenty of coffee options for you. Go over there, let them know that we here at the Brutally Speaking Podcast sent you. Uh, means a lot to us as they support us over here. Speaking of supporting and following, if you would like to follow RJ City, you can find him on Facebook under RJ Skinner, Instagram at RJ City, and Twitter at RJ City One, all one word. Make sure to follow him on the Facebook, though, for sure. Then you can start tuning in every Sunday uh, around, I think it's around 10 or 11 a.m. 
Uh, and you can see him making coffee in his underwear, and you can join in the conversation. Uh, very recently, we discussed the Ides of March. I brought it up. Uh, we learned what the Ides of March was about, which is settling disputes. <laughs> Obviously, uh, Ete Brute and all that kind of stuff, March 15th. Um, so, yeah, follow him on there. Keep up with that. Uh, he's a great follow across all the socials, so do that. And uh, if you would like to keep up with Metal Nexus, you can find them on Facebook at Metal Nexus, Instagram at Metal.Nexus, and Twitter at Metal underscore Nexus. If you would like to keep up with Dan, you can find him at Discuss Metal Dan on Twitter. Uh, find him on Facebook at his name, Daniel Terry. And he doesn't have an Instagram, even though I wish he would. And uh, you can find his other podcast, Discography Discussion, at DiscussMetal.com. And you can find it on all the platforms where you can find this podcast as well. Uh, so if you like to listen to him and his co-hosts uh, talk about a band's discography from start to finish and their takes on things, I think you will thoroughly enjoy it. Head on over there. Let them know that we sent you uh, to that as well. Uh, support podcasts, uh, independent podcasts and all that. Uh, this is the only way we all grow is by supporting each other. So head on over there and let them know that we sent you. And if you would like to keep up with this podcast, you can find us uh, simply enough on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Bruce Speak Pod. And if you want to follow me for whatever reason, uh, I feel weird about having people follow me on, on Facebook, but uh, Twitter and Instagram are simply uh, jbeatty616. Um, typically, you'll see my uh, handles and Dan's on our social media for the podcast. So uh, follow us if you will. And for the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I am John. Dan cannot be here, but he sends his regards very quietly at that. And we will talk to you guys next time.